fact, uh, Rebecca Nolly, who remembers the Nollies, uh, she wrote a book called Shine. And I'm going to read the first two paragraphs of it as we begin to start that talks about this candle lighting and just the impact that it had upon her. Ever since I was a little girl, I have loved the Christmas Eve service. There was always something magical about the candlelight service. As the congregation sang Silent Night, the church lights would be turned off and darkness would envelop the room. Then suddenly the light of a single candle would penetrate the darkness. That light was used to light another candle and one by one the light of the candles was passed from person to person. The sanctuary, the sanctuary slowly became a glow as lights were shared with neighbors until every person held a glowing candle in their hand. I remember a feeling of awe and peace, the challenge of trying to keep the wax from dripping off the paper and the disappointment of having to blow out my candle when it was over. Though I didn't understand the significance of this tradition at the time, I knew it was beautiful and special and that Christmas presents were soon to come. And she goes on, have you ever thought about why we have this tradition on Christmas Eve? A tradition that has been practiced since as far back as the Middle Ages and churches all over the world? Is it simply a religious tradition that inspires feelings of peace, awe, and joy? The significance of lighting candles on Christmas Eve is so much more than that. We light the candles to celebrate the one true light. The one light that came into this world and illuminated the darkness, Jesus. So with that, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we come before you tonight just so thankful for uh, not just the season, but just of what it truly represents, that the embodiment of your love in the Son and coming for us to live his life, to suffer a death that we truly deserved, but out of your great love, he has paid the price. And so as we read through your word, may you open our eyes and open our ears. May we be humbled and submissive to your Holy Spirit and the truth that it brings forth. And may eternity truly be what's upon our minds, even now. I just ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I'm going to give you a, I better move this, or I'll trip, fall off the stage, break a femur, something like that. I'll give you a quick recap of the front part of the chapter, verses 14 through 30, 32. You'll remember Jesus heals the demoniac boy, right? And then an argument ensues, and then uh, he gives some exposition on how that doesn't make sense. And so if you think about it, Jesus gives a sign through demonic deliverance. And second, he gives a sign through the wisdom of the application of God's word. But the people still don't believe. And they challenge him. They're like, prove it. Show us another sign. And he says, you know, another sign's not going to be given to you except the sign of Jonah. And if we think about it, it was three days in the dark until the light came. He rebukes their unbelief. And he says that, hey, the Ninevites believed Jonah. The Queen of Sheba believed Solomon. Someone greater than them is here right now. 
And that is the sign. Now look with me at verse 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. So he uses a practical household illustration. So this is an oil lamp that is thousands of years old. Wait, made in China. Sorry. No, it's, it's a replica. All right? But this is, this is what would have entered their mind. And it could have been a little bit bigger. But this would have been what entered their mind. There would have been little wicks sticking out, likely olive oil that they're using, and they would light it. Now, you have to, to imagine this is not a 3,500-square-foot house in downtown Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, right? You're lucky if you have two eight-by-eight rooms, all right? So this is the light. And if we look at what he says, is that logic prevents someone from hiding this light. Logic promotes or elevates the light to get the most use out of it. And logic recognizes the benefit of the life for self and for others. No one in their right mind does these two things that he talks about. Okay? Anybody? Do that when you get home? Hey, son, go cover up the light so we can't see. No. And we'll look at this a little bit more, but what's more important is to prove what this light is right now. And there's several scriptures throughout uh, the Bible that talk about the light. There's some that talk about God, like in Micah 7, 8, talking about, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. The kingdom of God, one of my favorite Verses, 1 Peter 2, 9, it talks about us being a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, to proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word of God, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But last... On this first illustration, John 8, 12, somebody very important just flat out said, I am the light, and that was Jesus. He spoke to them again saying, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And John in his gospel speaks more about this than, than the rest of the gospels. In, in chapter one, verses six through nine, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Again, about Jesus. And both Matthew and Luke quote Isaiah 9, 2, that talks about the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So even all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through to the Gospels, that light is Jesus. But we, we don't stop because even Paul 
says, for it is the, is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In this first verse, Jesus is that light that he's talk, referencing about to see if they get it. You see that it says in verse 33, a secret place and a basket. Secret place is, is krypton in Greek, all right? Some of you might be thinking Superman and krypton, all right? It means secret place, all right? Even more is crypt, but what it meant is a cellar more practically. None of us would go come home tonight and we walk in the front door and tell our kids, go turn on the cellar light and then just live in the darkness, would we? Makes no sense. Nor will we take the basket like I showed you and cover it and think that that is sufficient for us to live our lives, would we? The first point was the light. The second point is the reception. If we keep looking at this, there's only two options. The first one is hiding the light so that others can't see it. But if you think about what was right before that, they were trying to hide the light so they would not see the truth of who Jesus Christ is for the people of Israel. How do we do that? Oh, tell them it's by the power of Satan that he does these miracles. Makes no logical sense at all. But that's how they were trying to cover up the light. They didn't want it to shine. We shouldn't be surprised, even though it is shocking, isn't it? But 1 John 1, 9 through 11, we, we read about Jesus being the light. Jesus was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. But I, I want you to listen. Verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. If we really grasp the desire for darkness that is going on, it, it says the light came to every man, every, not some, it came to all. The light is shining while he's here on the earth, but they're, they're trying to shove a basket over it the whole time. They're trying to cover it up. They're trying to shove it into the cellar so that no one will see the light or pay attention to it. The Father sent his Son into the world to be the light. And they're turning their backs on such a great gift. Now, lest we hypocritically say, well, that was back then. I want you to think, who goes to the mall? Okay, nobody goes to the mall anymore. All right. King Supers, Safeway, Costco. All right. So out, I want you to, to think of this because out of, of one side of their mouth is that you will hear and people will sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. And when you ask them about that, oh, I just sing it because it's Christmas tradition. 
Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, but they will deny him as king and denigrate him to being just a good teacher. Folks, the light is still trying to be covered up today by others. It's still trying to be shoved into the basement. Now, I don't want you to get too comfortable because it's easy to uh, talk about other people, isn't it? Well, that's not me. I'm not a Pharisee. I work at such and such a place. But if we really try to make this personal, too often at times, we have pocket Jesus with us. And we got the bumper stickers on our cars. We wear our cross necklaces. And, and we're all about Jesus until, you know what? There's a little bit of conflict. Until there's a little bit of conflict. And then you're like, well, Jesus, I don't want you to see this right now. Anger takes control of our life. Nope. And we shove him in the cellar. We put a basket on our head because we don't want them to know that we're a Christian instead of this is my savior, this is my God, this is my king, regardless of what situation that we're in. And as, as I was, oh, here it comes. Somebody get me the Kleenex. Because as I was sitting and meditating on these scriptures is how often have I been ashamed of my king because it wasn't popular, because of the crowd I was in. And I may not have said the words, but I've denied by being silent and sit there and pray, Lord, forgive me from being ashamed of the light. And we could stop right here just on this verse and stay the rest of the night. But I don't want frozen fruit thrown at me. But I want you to really consider, it's easy to skip over. Oh yeah, that's the light illustration that Jesus talks about. Do you grasp the gravity of what is happening right now? God so loved the world, he came, he came to his own people, his own people rejected him. And you know what they actively did was a cover-up to deny him as being the son of God to come to save humanity. Heartbreaking, isn't it? Or we can hide and be a coward or we can let it shine, can't we? Now, some of you will think this is a, a kid's song, but it's actually an African-American spiritual, this little light of mine. Who remembers it? Okay, and I, praise the Lord, I'm not going to sing it, but I am going to read you each of the, the, the two lines as we, as we go through it. The first verse, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. The second one, everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. Third verse, Jesus gave it to me. I'm going to let it shine. 
The fourth verse, shine, shine, shine. I'm going to let it shine. Fifth verse, all in my home, I'm going to let it shine. The other one, hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. So if we think about this verse, the light of Jesus shines before all of us, doesn't it? Right now. Even in this short amount of time that we've been here, for us to think about it, but for us to apply it to our own hearts. And so I want you to ask yourself these questions. Am I hiding the light so that others can't see? And then to challenge you, are you going to elevate the light of Jesus on the lampstand so that all may see it and to see how things really are needing their Savior? And then all of us together, as you, as you look around the room, are we as a church going to elevate Jesus to be above all else? May we commit to letting it shine. In verse 34, Jesus moves from general to specific. He moves from what are you going to do with the light to what is the light going to do to you? Let's read verse 34. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So we've talked about the light. We've talked about reception. This next one's called refraction. You're like, what? Is this math class? No, it's not that. So two weeks ago, I went and got an eye exam. Right? And actually, for those of us that need them, is your, what you get is a refraction eye exam. So the doctor takes you through a series of tests, right? And he, and he puts that big thing in front of you, right? And it looks like you should be on Star Wars, right? Like a fighter pilot, and, right? And what does he do? Which one is better? One click or two? One click or two? Two. Which one's better? Three click, click, click or four? Right? And he goes through that. My eye exam went up to 11. I don't know if they were just a new eye doctor or, or what, but is the whole point of that is he's taking you through these lenses to reduce the refraction. Because with, with oh, you guys look so much better now. <laughs> Sorry, no. Is that with, without my glasses, I'm nearsighted, Right? So you guys are all out of focus, and so it's focusing in a different place. It's not focusing, it's not going through my lens and going straight back to my retina. It's, it's, going, it's going actually past it, and if you're nearsighted, it's going, or uh, farsighted, it's going before it, right? No, you're never supposed to tell a story about your wife, so I won't talk about that. <laughs> my wife and glasses and, and noodles and company, but... So that's why you get glasses, all right? It's because the lens of your eye is not functioning the way it's supposed to function. For those of you that have had cataracts, you really know it, don't you? Until you have cataract surgery and it clears up. So if, if we look at 
what's going on here is, again, Jesus is speaking in an illustration. And he's not talking, go and get some reading glasses. But he's talking, something is happening to the eye. And if you look at the contrasts that are there, you have good eye, which means clear, sincere, uninfluenced, undefiled. Or you have a bad eye, meaning sick, sick, diseased, corrupted, wicked, or evil. You're either full of light or you're full of darkness. What is going on here? And I really think that Jesus has shifted the meaning to be the word of God. Now, why is that? If you look at the last part of the chapter that we covered, verses 37 through 54, and I'm not going to read. I'm just going to summarize it. The Pharisees had the word, didn't they? They totally had it. But it, it got refracted. It got distorted. Because if we look at what Jesus said, they pursued greed. They pursued wickedness. They ignored justice. They ignored the love of God. They sought out the best seats to be elevated above others. If you remember other places... In Matthew chapter 6, they blew a trumpet so people around them would know that they're being holy and praying. They would fast and they would rub ash on their cheek and mess up their hair. Oh, look how holy that Pharisee is. Pharisee Joe is really holy. He's fasting right now. So the word of God came in, but when it hit their heart, it refracted and distorted the scribes, the, the lawyers that he talked to, the lawyers expert in the law, right? Expert in the law. But if you read what happened, they distorted it into seeking power and control over people to the point of killing the prophets, to the point of preventing people from entering the kingdom of God. These were people who studied the law. And so our verses here, 33, addressing what had just happened, 34 through 36, also carrying on with the people that he's going to talk to after this. But for us to look at this, and we need to ask, first of all, How's my eyesight? What is more accurate? It's how's your heart sight? The lens, the eye, the heart influences the entirety of you, doesn't it? What does it say? As a man thinks in his heart, Bible Jeopardy time, ready? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if the light of God's word is, is, is passing through one medium to another, from God to us, how's our refraction? Is it, is it minimal with the true intent of the word? Or is it greatly reflected, refracted to the, uh, a point of blindness? 
So what influences our vision? What influences our heart on the acceptance of the word? And I boiled it down to just two things. You know, I was going to get a whiteboard and play hangman just to do something unique. Three, three letter word starts with an S influences our understanding of the word sin. John wrote about this in his, his letter to the church, first John. And he, he writes in comparison, love of the world versus love of God. So he writes about three things that categorize the lust of the flesh. I choose something that appeases my physical body. Lust of the eyes. I choose something that appeases me, appeases my mind. Pride of the life. I choose something that appeases my ego. With all three of those things, I don't choose what God wants. You know, if I'm selfishly choosing all of those things, how, how great is my eyesight with the word of God? They mar, it mars our heart. can even harden it, can it? We stop believing what God says and we follow our own voice or we follow the voice of the deceiver. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's really not a habit. The second thing that influences our eyesight, influences our heart, influences our understanding of Scripture is culture. It does. Some of you are fed at 24-7. And there's three key things, and I'll just narrow it down. The first one is origins, because it is very easy to deny a personal creator who loves you and say, that's just mythical. And think about the implications it has upon you and your relationship, because they say he doesn't exist. Culture's definition of identity denies God as unique designer denies that he's given sexuality, roles, responsibilities, that he has nothing to do with it. Relationships, denial of God as a relationship expert for friends, employment, marriage, children, whatever. Culture defines all those things. And if that is chosen over what God has said, then really, how, how clearly are we seeing this? How, how, how is that really getting interpreted in our heart? Because it's not. We're using this lens to try to understand that. And all it does is distort the true meaning of it even further, doesn't it? These two key things skew our vision so bad. But even evangelical Christianity is having some double vision right now if you keep up with anything that's happening. A few topics that they're cross-eyed on is what love is. What justice is, what compassion is, what morality is, what marriage is, what church is. Folks, I know how ugly I am. If this is not the supreme thing that you are listening to, the talking head 
can lead you astray. Charismatic speakers con people at times. That's how you have entire nations start wars and kill people groups. You need this light in you. And so even as you leave, we're going to start the new year, but as we leave, there's handouts on a table right outside the door. Simple handouts, how to have a quiet time. How to start. There's a little, little chart, read through the New Testament in a year. Just to begin to get the light of God's word within you. Because we have so many competing interests to try to understand what this says. Is that this needs to be the foundation. So it doesn't become murky. Other people in scripture have talked about this. You'll remember Job, right? Anybody want to put his sandals on? Some of us have. It's not fun. But in chapter 31, verse 1, he says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? Job recognized the need for purity in his life and coveted not to misuse his eyes. You'll remember this one from Jesus, right? Everybody loves verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, right? That's all they know. But he goes on to say, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck or the, the sliver splinter in your brother's eye, the minute piece of sawdust in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Let's just make it real, the railroad tie. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus admonishes us to check our own eyesight first. Hypocrisy blinds. Make sure your vision is not corrupted, evil, wicked. Make sure it's not a bad eye before correcting your brother. And there's a lot more that talks in, in this metaphoric way about this and this. So what corrects our vision? That's a big question, isn't it? If we have a bad eye, what corrects it? We might think we have a good eye, but you know what? We're a little bit nearsighted or we're a little bit farsighted on how we, how we look at things. What corrects it? The worst experience almost I had in my life was LASIK surgery, 2006. It wasn't LASIK, it was what? PRK. I don't know what devil doctor invented that. But anyways, just so you know, LASIK, they go, they slice your, your cornea, flip it back, do a little bit of laser tag, close it, glue it closed, and you're good, right? PRK, they go and get your, your Colgate rotary toothbrush. They hold your eye open, and they take that toothbrush, whoop, there goes your cornea, because it's going to grow back. And they grind that thing off. Then they do a little bit of laser tag and put a fake con 